The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Everything changes. Think about it. Everything we experience in life can come down to change. Some may be small, subtle changes that we experience, while others might be big life changes. Even the weather outside that we have been experiencing the past few weeks here in Bratislava showcases some subtle changes we experience. A sunny spring-feeling day quickly changes into gusty, windy days, reminding us winter isn't quite ready to be transformed into spring yet. Even this election season we are in the midst of offers a small glimpse of the changes that may happen as we experience the switching of leadership. Even in our own church here, we have changes. Just take a look at our church calendar, going from the season of Christmas, rotating into Epiphany, and now into the time after Epiphany, where we find ourselves today the Sunday before our calendar transforms into the season of Lent. And even our own congregation, who gathers here every Sunday, changes. A constant change in the faces here as we welcome in world travelers and also greet old friends. Yes, change surrounds us inevitably in our lives, lingering in the background, waiting to make a bold move into our lives. And each change is unique. Some is hard and others are easy. Maybe change in your job when a promotion is earned, deciding to become parents and welcome in new children, or deciding to change your hairstyle after having the same cut for a long time. These changes may be a welcomed one in your life and an easy one to process through. 
while other changes, maybe changes in adjusting to the new limits of your body as you age, moving away from home for the first time, these are changes that we may struggle with, that we find hard to process through. Whether it be good or bad, change is a human experience. And shockingly enough, the people in the Bible were no different. From Adam and Eve uh, changing after eating the, the forbidden fruit in the garden, to the people fleeing Egypt, all the way to Paul writing letters to communities, changing their beliefs to be Christ-centered. Yes, change is everywhere. But I want to focus in on the change, a specific moment we might let pass us by. Each of these changes, whether biblical or your personal change, all have a brief period of time, a flash of a moment standing between what was and what is to come. A flash of a moment. Maybe this flash looks like to us preparing to move out of a flat when everything is packed up. There's a flash of this moment where you are flooded with the memories of what was. The gatherings of friends, the meals cooked, maybe your child took their first step in that flat. Memories of what was in this flat. Then this flash is overwhelmed with what is to come in your new home. Maybe you're moving into a smaller place or a bigger one. Maybe it's a new city, new friends. Or maybe the flash looks like whether or not to get a new pet. A burst of a moment standing in the unknown of being petless, yet consumed with what could be with a house filled with a pet. We can have this flash in the moment of learning a loved one has died. A flash where you are living in what life was with them there, and also the beginning of settling into the reality of what your world will be like without them. These flashes of standing between what was and what is to come is in every single change we encounter. And in our Gospel from Matthew today, we are reminded of Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John, are met with the very much same flash of a moment atop a mountain while they witness Jesus' transfiguration. Let's make a note here. Maybe you heard it in the children's sermon, but the meaning of transfiguration is complete change of form or appearance. A perfect example of this physical transfiguration can be a caterpillar, weaving her cocoon only to unravel herself to be revealed as a butterfly, transformed from her original being into a butterfly. Jesus' transfiguration is the same, going from one form to a new one. Jesus and his disciples trekked up the mountain with the understanding of Jesus being their teacher, the one who called them by the sea to follow him. The disciples are used to this Jesus, Jesus the teacher. They had some suspicion Jesus may be the one the prophecies talked about, but there is no proof of this yet. So Jesus was just their teacher. But on top of that mountain, Jesus is transfigured by God's glory. 
Jesus' face changed to be shining like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Jesus was unraveling from his own cocoon to reveal himself as the true Son of God, the one who the prophets did talk about. And the disciples, the disciples are witnessing this transfiguration as their teacher changes into something new to them. With both Moses and Elijah, two key prophets from the Hebrew Bible, appearing beside Jesus to only emphasize this change further. Here, here in this moment is the flash. The moment the disciples find themselves between what they knew and what is to come. They find themselves with understanding who Jesus was to them, their teacher, yet feeling the tug of change as they understand Jesus to truly be the Son of God. Jesus, the teacher, to Jesus, the beloved. Jesus, the miracle worker, to Jesus, Emmanuel. Jesus, the Nazarene, to Jesus, the true Son of God. Yes, Jesus changed, and Peter, James, and John are in a flash of a moment. Between letting go of the Jesus they knew and understood while ushering in the new change of Jesus truly being the Son of God is a powerful moment to be standing between. Remember, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has already predicted his death twice before the transfiguration, so for the disciples, This sudden change is giving them a glimpse of what is to come in Jesus' life. Betrayal, persecution, and death. And this, this must have been so overwhelming for these three men. To be in the pinnacle flash of a moment where the divine surrounds them and Jesus has changed before them. And there are Hebrew prophets there that they don't recognize All of this is happening and is overwhelming them, most likely. And Peter speaks. He speaks because he's human. He speaks because he does not know what else to do. He speaks because he isn't ready for the moment of the old Jesus to be let go. Peter says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And he offers to build three dwelling places for Elijah, for Moses, and for Jesus to be in. Peter is just doing what makes sense to him in this moment. We even get a glimpse of Peter's thoughts and insights on his own encounter with this divine in 2 Peter, the reading that we had today, where he further explains this moment of being in the threshold of what was and what is to come. This flash where he knows going up the mountain, Jesus is his teacher. And witnessing the transfiguration and knowing going back down the mountain, everything has changed. Peter is reacting by doing what makes sense to him. We can understand this, can't we? Being so overwhelmed with the prospect of what is to come, yet trying desperately to cling on to what we know. This feels familiar to us. The feeling of being diagnosed with an illness where your body will change into an unknown. So you cling onto the abilities your body still has. The feeling of saying goodbye to children as they leave home, as you try to grasp onto the moments of having them there, yet fearing what an empty house will feel like. 
These are flashes of moments we are familiar with and we understand Peter's response to it. And there will also be flashes of moments where we aren't reacting like Peter. Rather, we welcome in these new changes, accepting a new job or leaving what was is far easier because you know you are on a new path of a career. Or reconnecting with an old friend after many years and it's a welcome change to have them in your life again. These are flashes of moments we are familiar with. And we find ourselves in these flashes often. The good news for us today is we aren't alone in these moments, whether they be challenging ones or welcoming flashes. This transfiguration, this change the disciples witness in Jesus is because of God's glory. God's glory surrounded them on top of that mountain. In the verse, God's glory is described as a shining cloud surrounding the mountaintop. The very physical presence of God is there among them. And this is truly remarkable. The very real presence of God where the disciples could reach out and touch the cloud or feel the weight of God surrounding them. Even more remarkable is God's glory here in this passage is far more than a low cloud covering. Rather, this is the glory we pray for every day, for the kingdom to come into this world. This glory, the glory of God, is God's true self being present on this earth beside Jesus. God is there during this changing of his son, and God is within that moment, that flash of a moment. But God doesn't stop there with just being physically present. No, God says to them, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. These moments of encountering God in this shining cloud form are rather rare in the Bible. Our first reading from Exodus gives the prime example of another time we have that shining cloud. When Moses went to the top of the mountain to receive the stone tablets with the commandments on them, quote, a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of God, looking like a fire devouring the top settled on the mountain, that is God physically dwelling among the mountaintop with Moses, the same that was there with Jesus as he transfigured. And the same glory is in the burst of a moment with the disciples, is the same presence we have in our bursts of moments. I have to be honest, it would be too easy to leave the sermon there, preaching about how God's glory are in our moments and we just need to find him in them. But we can't stop there. We can't stop there because the text doesn't. I was doing some more research into the word glory, and I came across a rather particular one defining the word glory in the Hebrew language, Kovad, meaning heavy and heaviness. While I agree that we have explored this understanding of the cloud of glory of God in the shining cloud could physically feel heavy, if you think about being in fog, that physical heaviness you have, I agree that that could be what this is talking about. But I kept finding myself going back to verses 6 and 7, they read, when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. 
But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. The first thing is that the disciples fell to the ground in fear. Was it fear because of the change of Jesus? Fear of this booming voice? Fear from being thrown into the threshold of two moments into seeing the glimpses of who Jesus was and knowing what is to come? Regardless of what their emotions were, they fell to the ground in fear. Here, the gospel has us on the edge of our seat, waiting for the response from Jesus. Would Jesus tell a parable in response to the fear? Or maybe he would start to pray for them. Or maybe there is a sermon to be had. Yet Jesus defies all our expectation of some radical response. And he just touches the disciples. A simple act. An uncomplicated action and an unexpected one. Jesus doesn't give us some in-depth theological discussion, nor does he give us a parable to try to unscrabble the meaning of. Jesus places his hand on them, grounding the three men in their flashing moments. And what if we thought about the touching of Jesus to be like the one of Kovad, of heaviness? When Jesus touches his disciples, he was acknowledging the fear and understands everything has changed in their world through the glory of God in this transfiguration. And Jesus calls the disciples to go from the mountaintop and continue to follow the true Son of God, the one that they have been waiting for. But Jesus' touch isn't heavy. No, Jesus' touch is a liberating one. A touch which acknowledges our own fears, our own sins, and our own changing. It is not a heavy hand filled with judgment, one that casts rumors and hate upon the one who is receiving it. Rather, Jesus' touch is the one that feels our own heaviness and doesn't place judgment on the weight being held in his hand. Rather, he tells us to get up, go and be that touch for someone else. And it must be made clear here, there are boundaries to touch in our human world, and these must be respected. So when I am talking about the touch we are called to do, I am talking about the call from Jesus' touch, the liberating touch, the very touch that is the essence of our human being. And with this touch, we must find those places we can be the one, like Jesus on top of the mountain, to reach out and simply touch someone who are going through their own flashes, physically being present in their moment. This, this is what being a Christian means, to be the hand present for someone. Some of the reaching out will be difficult, where we are grasping on to the other, trying our hardest not to let go, while other times it will be welcomed, an easy pat on the back. We are called to be the hand that reaches out. That's it. No elaborate theological explanation of what we need to do. No story from Jesus telling us the law. Jesus is calling us to simply go and be the hand that touches in order to usher in the kingdom of God. And this is a truly radical action to be asked of. 
We are called to be the hand on someone's back when they're in the midst of a mental health crisis. We are called to be the hand that shakes the hand of a new friend interested in attending BIC. We are called to be the hand that wraps around a grieving child. We are called to be the hand that holds the hand of another as we pray for the community we are in. And through these touches, we will feel the heaviness of this call Jesus has for us, of being the hand that grips at those needing it. The heaviness we feel from those we touch is not for us to judge. Rather, the heaviness we feel is for us to hold with that person. And each time we feel the weights of the touch getting heavier and heavier, Hear Jesus in your ear and say to all who can hear you, get up. God's glory is truly dwelling in this touch and there is for whatever moment it can be, it is there. We are not alone when we are reaching out our own hands to touch someone. Everything changes when we are called to be the hand that reaches out. Think about it. Where can you be that touch for someone who are in the flash of their own moment? Amen.